Hi everyone, I'm Nigel Gordyke, one of the organisers of the Wilmot Terry Fox Run. In 1981, the documentary Terry Fox, I Had a Dream was released. It follows Terry's journey in 1980 as he ran the Marathon of Hope, and it's an intimate portrait of Terry and the people around him. It is my great pleasure to be speaking today with a man who made that film, John Simpson, from his home in Costa Rica. John, thank you so much for joining me. You're welcome. Now, the Marathon of Hope began on April 12th, 1980. Can you tell us about how and when you became involved in making your documentary? Yeah, I was doing some, at that time, I was doing some work for the Canadian Cancer Society. And uh, they started picking up Terry's run a little bit in the main media, which is the Toronto Star. And uh, I, I also made uh, movies, films. And so I approached them in, uh, and then in the CBC and uh, they uh, sponsored the, the, uh, the go ahead for the film. So we, I hired a crew and we met Terry just as he crossed the Nova Scotia border into New Brunswick. And it just, just, we're, it just, just came across. So uh, we flew down there to meet him and explain to what we we're gonna do. Okay, so from that point onwards, were you, were you covering the run every single day? Not every single day. We would stay for a week or so and then go home and then come back and do another week. And, and you know, we sort of followed them on the, along the trip. Because after a while, with, with regards to film, you can only take so many shots of the guy running on, this, on the road. Well, so Terry didn't get too much attention until he arrived in Ontario. I mean, in fact, you shot footage of him in Quebec, and there were no crowds, no one lining the streets. No, no. Quebec, Quebec was uh, was uh, you know, I mean, they didn't care about him at all. Uh, they well, they they weren't in on the publicity that was happening, and the publicity was happening mainly in Toronto at that time through the main the main uh, newspaper, and uh, then eventually it became on the, on the local news, television news. Okay. Um, if you, I don't know whether you can remember back when, when you were in Quebec with, with Terry. Can you remember what, his, what Terry and his support team were feeling at that point without seeing the, the, any kind of public reaction? Yeah, he, you know, I, one of the things that remind me a lot about Terry was his, was his um, basketball coach in, um, in Vancouver who was said that he was amazed. And I thought it meant he was amazed that Terry was running so far. He said, no, I'm amazed that he actually speaks. Because <laughs> Terry was like, you know, he never, even in university, he never spoke much. And here he was talking in front of people, which was really something strange or different for him. And so he didn't say much about what was happening in Quebec. It was apparent. Uh, especially after we came out of New Brunswick and people, uh, and especially in the country, they were, you know, they're running down their lanes and, and as he passed, they were passing money to him, what have you. They were really, really into it. Whereas Quebec, yeah, it's a language, mainly. Well, I've read some wonderful newspaper reports from during the run, um, but there were times when Terry was disillusioned or angry with the media, when someone was misinterpreted or misquoted. How did you build a rapport and a trust with Terry and his team? Well, you know, for me, it was really strange because I had, in my life, I had sort of had a, um, if I may say this, sort of a spiritual awakening in my own life. And uh, 
I kept asking him, you know, are you doing this because you felt a spiritual need? And he would say, no. <laughs> he, was, uh, he was doing it because of what he saw in the hospital, the younger children. And uh, so I accepted that, of course, you know. But, you know, people are motivated in all kinds of ways. And that was one of the ways that he was motivated, seeing these children alive and talking with them one day, and then the next day they're dead. You know? And that bothered him a lot. Yeah. I mean, there's some heartbreaking footage of Terry stepping into the van in Thunder Bay um, when he couldn't run any further. What was going through your mind at, the, at that point? Did, did you have a sense of what Terry was going through and why he'd stopped? Yeah, every, everybody was heartbroken. Yeah, I mean, everybody, the camera crew, that, you know, yeah, we're all quite devastated. That, uh, not just devastated that he didn't finish the run, but devastated that the cancer had come back. You know, that was, that was really hard. Well, I got quite emotional um, during some of the quieter, poignant moments, like when um, Daryl was on his own in a corridor after the Marathon of Hope had ended. Um, you treated your subjects throughout with, with great sensitivity. As a documentary maker, uh, shooting moments like that, how do you know when to be discreet and, and allow your subjects um, some privacy? Well, you know, you're with them for a long time. <laughs> uh, you get to know them as they sort of express themselves. And, and, like, and Terry really never really, only on a few occasions, ever really expressed what was deep within him in terms of emotions. You know, he talked and he, he tried to, to articulate what was, why he was doing what he was doing, but never really a, any a great show of emotion, only on a few occasions. One was with the, with the small boy that came out. That was really something. And, uh, and, and near the end where he couldn't go on any farther. I mean, these days, everyone has a phone and they all have like great cameras, which makes it incredibly easy to, to shoot videos. But back in 1980, yeah. what kind of equipment did you use? No, we're using 16 millimeter. <laughs> we ended up with 16 millimeter, okay? You know, uh, we ended up with 20 hours of film that we had to edit <laughs> down to an hour, which was enormous. And it, it went on for a long time. Myself and the editor would stay there all night. Hmm. But um, yeah, it was much more difficult. And, and, and not only that, it's because you're moving uh, with, with a camera. And so, you know, you climb a tree. I had the cameraman climb a tree. And, you know, it's, it's more difficult. Because <laughs> you're always trying to get something. Okay, we got the one on running and we got the one on the sore leg and what are you going to do now? You know, because you got, a, it's a show. You, you want to show things. And uh, you started to start running out of ideas after a while. Well, with digital video, you can check what you've shot immediately, but I'm assuming that, you had no idea right. what you have no. until after you developed the film footage. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, and, and absolutely. And you have to send that always back to Toronto. To, you know, cans of it, cans of it. Do you have a, a favorite scene or a moment, either one that's in the film or, or one that didn't make it make the final cut? Well, yeah, I like the one that was on the Montreal Mountain 
where we shot in front of the police car lights and he's running up. I thought that was uh, really a, a good shot. And it was a lot of, we, we had a couple of cameramen on the, on the shoot, you know, start off with my, my friend, Scott Hamilton. And then uh, he, he, he left us somewhere in Ontario. And then I had uh, uh, another friend, uh, Finn Russell, and he, geez, he came down with cancer later on. Um, and he was, he did some of the other shooting. And we had a couple of other cameramen along the way, but those two main, two main cameramen and, and different, different assignments. John, it has been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. I'm so envious of people who got to, to witness this historic event close up. Thank you so much for sharing your wonderful personal memories with me. Thank you very much. It's uh, I, the first time I've ever, I've actually talked about it. <laughs>